Hello, I'm Ellie Warden. Welcome to the Heart to Mind Transformation Station, sharing stories related to the importance of building legacies that lead to greater health and wealth within your family. Come on, get on board. I am excited to introduce my co-host, Mr. Donald Snyder. We are starting a three-part series on generational wealth. Donald is highly equipped to speak on this topic. He is the author of Beyond the Bling and his newly released book, Through the Eyes of an Entrepreneur, both available on Amazon. He has been a franchisee of multiple franchises, a tier one automotive supplier, worked on developing a community bank, and worked with high-level legislators. He is the president and CEO of Metro Business Connect and the nonprofit CBA Formula. Donald, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm glad to be here today. How are you doing, Ellie? I'm doing great. It's a sunny day and life is beautiful. But what's going on in your life today? Well, my life today is that I've taken on a new position. I'm in the metropolitan Detroit area of Michigan. I'm back here in this cold weather. And I've taken on a position as being with the Oakland County Economic Development Department, where they want me to focus on small businesses and help them to expand and to take advantage of a lot of the resources and government money that's already currently in the streets. That's really exciting because, you know, that ties right in with what we're talking about when it comes to generational wealth, because absolutely owning your own business begins the process for so many people. And we're going to talk about that as we go into this conversation. But, you know, I was doing some research and I want you to respond to this. This has to do with the generational gap, wealth gap. Uh, For instance, the millennials, which were born between 1981 and 1996, they are the largest generation in the workforce today in the United States. But guess what? They're the least wealthy. Now, let's take a look at baby boomers. You and I are in that generation. Born between 1946 and 1964, we are 10 times wealthier than millennials. 10 times. Now, it's a fact that boomers are older. We've had more time to accumulate wealth, while the millennials are really just kind of starting out, maybe some of them still on entry-level positions. But here's the story within the story. When boomers were millennials' age back in 1989, according to federal data, they held 21.3% of the U.S. wealth versus only 4.6% that millennials hold today. How would you respond to that report? I find it very dismal of the wealth. Millennials are supposed to be uh, the new innovators. They're supposed to be the new incubators. They're supposed to be coming up with the latest and greatest improvement over the microwave generation, which we came up through. And they're not being focused on what to do with the money that they're earning. Wow. What to do with the money. So it, it kind of boils down to we came through that generation where save, save, invest, vest was the story. Maybe now it's more spin, spin? Uh, yes, it's more spin, spin now because they feel that they have the opportunity to basically replace it, recoup, and get more of what they had. But they're soon finding out that they have to be more creative to do that because people are leaving their workplaces. People are not servicing in the service industry because people who are quitting these jobs where COVID has played a part, they're feeling, shall I say, some freedom. 
people want to be free. And when you, when you want to be free from working and generating money, you're not going to have very much of it. <laughs> that is so true. Because, <laughs> because as we look at money, we realize that just because you have fiat currency in your hand, the, every moment that you hold it, it is actually losing value. Absolutely correct. And, and again, the freedom people are willing to do with less, they're willing to do without. And you never gain any legacy on building a legacy for your family. Families, be it in different careers, different professions, need to feed some of their revenue stream back to the family pot. They need to create a family pot where when times get tough or they want to invest into something, they can come back to the family pot and make a withdrawal. But if you're not putting anything in the family pot, then there's nothing to come back to withdraw. That's a good point because I was just talking just before our call to a young man who is in the next generation below us. And he was saying, yeah, but you know, we, we want to have these big cars. We want to have these things now. And I said to him, but do you think about what is it going to cost you in terms of taxes 30 days after you buy that very expensive car? Can you afford to pay for the tags? Can you afford to pay for the maintenance of the car when you need a tune-up or when a car, when the tire goes flat or those kinds of things that, wow, I don't think we think about when we're buying a car or other physical assets. Dis- discuss that with with our audience, because that's a hard thing for people to kind of wrap their mind around that we need to have more financial assets than just the physical assets. Well, that's correct. When our generation or our parents, I know that coming up, I would not buy a car unless I knew what the set of tires would cost for me to replace on that car. Because as we grew up, we saw a lot of neighborhoods where people bought cars and when they broke down, they were on a set of bricks. And you do, and when you drive up and down the street and see cars on bricks because they're waiting for a payday or they're waiting to borrow some money to get the car fixed, that means that the proper planning did not go into your purchase. Yes, exactly. And also when we stop and look at real estate, now we all know that real estate is one of the best ways to create wealth. But there are all kind of red flags that can go up when it comes to that. Can you continue over 30 years to pay the mortgage? Again, we know life happens. You, you're making a good salary right now, but all of a sudden your job ends. You get laid off. You become ill. Your mortgage still goes on. Or you have increases well, in your mortgage because like down here on the coast, we've had so many hurricanes and floods. Our insurances are going up. The mortgage rate may be staying the same, but guess what? When you add on those in- insurances, now all of a sudden we're over our heads, so to speak, in payments. Well, I think the millennials don't get a chance to learn that because, number one, the millennials, they're being catered to a different atmosphere. They're being catered to living downtown where they don't need a car. They're being catered to where they can use their bicycle or use Uber. Uber became popular in their generation of millennials. So it's not about owning that and also where they live. If you're living in, in, the, in the major downtowns of our city, you're living in lofts. You're living in places where you're paying rent. So you've not really been put to the test to know what it is to own, to go out and buy something. You're talking about leaving an area 
that is really catering to you versus having a home out in the city where you have to drive and commute to get the things that you need and want. So basically our millennials are being catered to in a totally different manner. And it's not that it's growing for them because as they age, we know that, you know, life happens again, but life can happen in a good way. You get married, you start having children. You don't want to live in the city in a loft. You want to move out to the suburbs where you have a backyard. Now all of a sudden you got to cut grass and do all that kind of nonsense, you know, (laughs) but again, that's where the test of time comes is once you begin to settle down and realize that for the next 30 years, 40 years, whatever, you're going to have a mortgage that's due each and every month. It is up to the millennial generation to really pay attention and I would say check in time to time with the baby boomers to really see how fast the economy is changing and what is available. Yes, you talk about real estate, but real estate is just one piece of the action of them making an investment. How do you get your group or your family unit to say, look, let's, let's, let's all go together and buy this place and rent it out. And then we can buy another one and another one. That type of stuff has to be, you got to get the information from somewhere, whether it's taught, whether it's passed down or whether just by example, you need to figure out how do we duplicate our income? It, it must be duplicate. Exactly. And we must, and you brought up a very good point when you were talking about having that family pot of money so that when the time comes for the down payment or later on for college, that there's money already set aside within the family unit where you can now begin to pull from within your family. You no longer have to go out and and borrow that money in order to do those types of things. And you know, having bought homes, one of the first things they're going to ask you when you're putting down your down payment, they want to know where did the money come from? Did you take out a loan in order to pay for this? That's not going to fly. We've got to have the income already in place through investments, because even just putting it in savings means that you're losing money because you're not making any kind of interest on a savings, but your investments and being wise about those investments. But how do we train that generation to really seriously take a look at their financial standings and their assets so that they understand it as being a priority? Well, basically, they have to get into ownership of businesses or become partners uh, with other people that are in business so that they're basically the business is making money for them. For example, with my manufacturing company, I had three kids in private school going to college. I did not have to, off my business, take my salary paycheck and pay for all those items. I was able to put my kids on the payroll where they drew down their own paycheck. So my money stayed in my own pocket. I didn't have to play that game. And now they're getting their own check to handle their needs or what they needed to do in school. And that's the key to owning a business. People don't understand it's like three things. It's like three pieces of furniture you move around. One, you can be a W-2 wage earner, which most of us have been uh, W-2 wage earners where the you work for someone, the employer pays you. But a W-2 wage earner, they make all the money they can, they pay taxes, and then they 
spend what's left. A person who owns a business or that has a corporation or is the LLC, that person can make all the money they can, spend all the money they can, then they pay taxes on what's left. So if I'm a business owner versus a W-2 person, I will beat that person every day of the week because my business is paying for my gas for my car, my repairs for my car. It's paying for other items, insurance and what have you, where the W-2 person has to go in their pocket to pay all of those things. That's a real good point that you brought up. I learned that very much so during the pandemic when my office closed down and we began to work from home. You remember that day that we had to no longer show up at the office. We were like, woohoo, no longer show up at the office. But when I went to file my taxes, I wanted to write off the room that I was using as my office. And guess what? I couldn't because I was a wage earner. And just the fact that I was in an office in my house did not qualify me to write that off. Now that I'm a business owner, guess what I can write off? That space, that space, part of my utilities, anything that I've purchased, purchased new computer, things like that that I needed for the business, those are all write-offs. And that makes a big difference. It does. And that realm, though, how do you begin to, I would say, promote the concept of entrepreneurship as a way of creating generational wealth? Well, basically, number one, just by what I said about the W-2 wage earner versus a business person entrepreneur is how you generate. It's basically what you keep. Again, major corporations, be it engineering firms, accounting firms, law firms, they all do that. They all make all the money they can, spend what they can, then they pay taxes on what's left. So they have enough expenses, enough things to do that with. Our W-2 wage earners, if they do decide to go in business or work for someone and they do work from home, they're busy going to Office Max, Staples, and decking out their home office when nobody is coming to their office. All you did was make the person at, at, at Home Depot and Staples and Office Max, you gave them a very good day and a big smile on their face. But you made an expense that was unnecessary to make. And I'm just saying, when you do these expenses, you need to give it some thought. What would be the first things that you would look at when you say give it some thought? What does that really mean? How do you plan? What if, how do I plan is whatever business I, I am going to be in, is the customer or client needs to come and see me? Do they need to come by my place of location for us to do business? Number one. Number two, am I business situated where I'm going to them to do business? which means that I've cut my expense drastically down if I'm going to go see them versus them coming to see me because I'm trying to put on an appealing atmosphere for them to step into my place for me to do business with them. So that's what I would consider. Number two, I would look at how do I want to handle my expenses? How do I want to handle my car? How do I want to handle surrounding myself with the right advisors, being an accountant, being a lawyer. How do I want to handle a better relationship on handling money, which means I don't commingle funds. I don't mix my business funds with my personal funds. The IRS hates that. 
They don't want to go through that kind of stuff. And you got to make it real simple for them on how you separate your business funds and your personal funds. And that requires you to have a good banker, doesn't it? Yes, a good banker and a good accountant can help you. You can have an accountant without the banker. <laughs> okay, but you, need, <laughs> you, but you definitely need that accountant, don't you? Right. Well, in your, in your latest book, which is available on Amazon, that one is the, Through the Eyes of an Entrepreneur. As that, through your eyes, what are you seeing the pitfalls of entrepreneurship? Well, one, my book covers about 25 different companies, be it whether, whether it's manufacturing, be it was a young lady that was selling chocolate, be it there's a, a young lady that's providing uh, mental health therapy. It is to get them on a routine of making money and focusing on expanding your business. And if you're getting a lot of business in, then you need to bring on the proper help to maintain the business. And also what you'll learn is that it is easy to keep existing customers versus going out trying to get new ones. And when you go to these procurement uh, facilities where where you've got all these companies that come and they all supposedly have potential opportunities for you, if you connect with any of those companies and you give them your information and if they've not reached out to you within 45 days, stop chasing them. You don't have anything that they want. And that's what a lot of people don't know when to do. They don't know when to stop chasing something that's not going to materialize. And it could also be that there are not enough things in the pipeline. So you're constantly going after the same one because you're hoping on hope instead of having enough people, enough prospects in the pipeline where you can say, okay, day 46, doop, we haven't heard from them. Let's go to this pipeline. Let's go this place. Let's, let's go through this funnel. How, how important is it though to build that funnel and what are the things that you really need to do to continue to keep it filled up? Well, that's exactly, uh, you said the right thing. You need more people in the pipeline. You need to build the funnel, which means you need to get out more and network more. I have a model that I've been using for the past four to five years. Your network is your net worth. Mm -hmm. If you develop a good network, that is your net worth. And if you don't see your net worth increasing, then you need to find some new people and rechange the chairs and the seats in your network because everybody needs to be generating, leading you to contact and looking forward to helping you with opportunities. I guess that's one of the problems that we have is that we can get very comfortable with the people that we are around, especially those warm leads, the ones that are our friends that we feel like, yeah, sure, they're going to buy my product. They're going to do this. They're going to do that. So we never expand ourselves beyond that. It takes a lot, though, to get out there and network. What are some of the avenues that we can use, especially with, with COVID? People are a little bit afraid to get out. There's so much on social media, but again, you're not always getting people's real face when you do that. That's a real challenge. How do we overcome that? That is a challenge that you have to be creative, whether you go to your grocery store or whether you go shop for something. You want to take advantage of or even going to farmer's markets on the weekend where they sell produce and stuff. People love to gravitate to those venues. And you can take the opportunity of being out and about and network, let folks know what you're doing and, 
and 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 just be able to interact with people that are coming from different places that you don't know and that really builds you up where that person that you met at the farmer's market may not directly do something with you but he may or she may refer you to somebody else that might need what you have I just had that happen actually today I went to my favorite coffee shop in past Christian, Mississippi, and was sitting in between two different couples, didn't know either one of them. But by the end of the time we all spent together, I got their names, their phone numbers, and they became Instagram followers. And I did all of that like within 45 minutes. That's the kind of thing oh that we're God. really talking about is getting out there yes. and, and making it. And sometimes for some people, it means moving outside of your comfort zone. There, I mean, me, I've been social ever since I was a little girl. Other people, it may not be that easy to just start talking to somebody. And one guy, I actually started talking to him because he had a T-shirt on that said Taos, New Mexico, and I had just recently been there. So I used that as my opening statement to him, got his interest, and then one thing led to another. Like I said, by the time he left, he was an Instagram follower. Oh, wow, that's really something. Okay. Now, I know that you have had dealings on very high levels. You have worked with governors. You have worked on the the domestic front. Sometimes that can be very, very intimidating to people to work with people that they feel are much higher in status or in knowledge than they are. How do you overcome that? Well, basically, you look at the situation that they have been where you are. They've had to start from those type of points and they've had to be creative in getting to the level where they are. I used to 10 years ago, teach a class about having good credit and I must not did do a very good job because I kept letting people know that write down your credit score from experience, you know, from transunion, write it out, put it on a card and you don't put your name on it. You don't put your social security. You don't put nothing other than the score and the ranges. And when you go out to to want to buy a car or rent a house or do something, just throw the card down and say, look, this is what my stuff is. I don't need you to go look for it. I'm presenting it to you. I'm saving you without having to move out of that seat. And you'd be surprised to find out the people that you're trying to impress, their scores are not good as your scores. But you think because they own that position at the bank or institution that they do, but they don't. And you just have to have those type of mindsets that when you deal with people, just look at them on the same level that you are. As we always say, everybody puts their socks on or their stockings one foot at a time. I think we forget that point sometimes. We think that they just get out of bed and leap right into their socks. But that's not the case. And it's interesting that you you pointed pointed out that at one time they were where you are. And they may have mm-hmm. even greater empathy because they've been there, they've gone through the fight, and they understand and they're willing to help. But you also have to come with something that makes them want to help you because, or else they'd just be wasting their time, spinning their wheels. Correct. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. When we talk about entrepreneurship and, and you have been franchise owner, you've worked with that automotive uh, tier one group, which I know had to have been very, very competitive. How do you see entrepreneurship tying in to a family legacy? A couple things. If you own an entrepreneurship business and in the family legacy, you got people who want to explore their dreams of being a nurse, being a lawyer, being an accountant, or just being a auto technician, 
you need to figure out how can they have a place in the family structure so that the family structure becomes stronger. And you have to sit down and talk to them and work that out and say, look, appreciate supporting your dreams, but we need to build something. And you need to sell them on building something and show them that while they're making $5, you're making $5. and we put it together, we got 10. Can you imagine what we can do with 10 versus five? And that's the type of meetings that you need to have with your family. There need to be family meetings. Don't wait for the family reunion. You know, don't wait for the 10th or the 15th anniversary. You need to start having those family meetings now. And that is so true. How often do we get together at the funeral or at the wedding? You know, and we always say, what do we say at the end of those? We've got to get together more often. Right. Oh, we can't keep meeting like this. Yeah, exactly. And then four or five months come up, you're at another funeral home. Oh, we can't keep meeting like this. Oh, really? <laughs> so we know that if you keep doing the same thing over and over and you keep getting the same results, that is called insanity. And that's what we want to eliminate as we help people grow through and into entrepreneurship. And that's going to lead to next week's series, part two. We're going to discuss entrepreneurship. We're going to break it down because after all, you are the one who has written the most recent book through the eyes of the entrepreneur. We're going to break down your book. I hope people can find it on Amazon and we'll digest parts of it so that as we go through it, they understand exactly what we're talking about. So again, on Amazon, through the eyes of an entrepreneur, and that is Donald Snyder. He's been our host today, our co-host today, and he's going to be with me for the next couple of weeks as we put together this series on legacy building towards generational wealth. Important topic. We want everybody to continue to stay tuned. Donald, thank you for your insight today. And we're going to be looking forward to more of these insights during our next conversation next week. Thanks for being with me today. Thank you. I look forward to it. Can't wait. Me too. And for all of you who are our listeners, remember that these podcasts are available every Wednesday. We call it Podcast Wednesday. Check it out. Check us out on all the social media outlets. We're there for you. Until next week, take care. This has been the Heart to Mind Transformation Station. I hope you enjoyed today's program. You can also find me on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Tune in again next week.